200 level, episode 250. Mike Carpenter in the basement studio here on a Monday evening before the storm of the century. It begins Tuesday night, and this is going to be, by all accounts, the biggest storm that we've had at least since, I don't know, 2014. I remember the day after Illinois lost to Miami in the 2013 NCAA tournament. Actually, that night, it started snowing, and I think we got damn near a foot. Uh, This is going to be something like that, and it will have an impact on how many people actually go to the game Wednesday night. Whether or not it actually impacts the game being played, not so sure. I would assume that Wisconsin will get into town on Tuesday night, and we might have kind of like we did back in 83, Illinois and Kentucky, when they brought three guys down from the stands to officiate the game. I think Illinois lost that, a close one, um, and then lost again the Elite Eight, though I might have that wrong. I was not alive at the time, but I know that game has sort of fallen into Illini basketball lore just because of the uniqueness of it. I think Wednesday night could be something similar. I mean, we have a big matchup for first place in the Big Ten, 11 versus 18. And I would still imagine, you know, six or 7,000 people make their way in. I think if it's a local Champaign-Urbana person, they will find their way to that game, myself included. I'm going to try. As long as my street is plowed and I can get over to Prospect and University and, and the big streets to get to the State Farm Center, I'm going to do it. I will uh, find my way there. And I I would really look forward to it. You know, it's one of those things where as long as people can end up, you know, safe and no one really gets hurt or anything bad happens during this winter storm, why the heck not? It's been a while since we've had a winter storm around here. So there's kind of the novelty aspect of it where, okay, we're having a winter storm and it just so happens to coincide with a big game. Also, if you are, for whatever reason, a Orange Crush kid and you're listening to this podcast, make sure all of you guys go. There's no excuse. I mean, I'm thinking back to 2007 when we had the big snowstorm that actually kept us out of class for two days. And that's unheard of at the U of I. That was also, unfortunately, the same time that Jamar Smith got into the car accident and Brian Carwell got severely injured, right? Um, But I do recall uh, that snowstorm, and we would have still trudged to the assembly hall for a game. So I'm hoping that this does not affect the Orange Crush, that it's still going to be a really cool environment. Even if it's sort of like the Penn State game, I think from 2014, where they just let fans sort of move closer. I mean, there were only a few thousand people that went to that. I remember doing a broadcast out at the old SJ Broadcasting Studios, a T&J show with Lon, and Jeremy had to be at the assembly hall to cover the game. And I remember driving home, maybe a 10-minute drive on normal weather nights, and it took me about a half hour, and it took me another 15 minutes to actually park the car in the parking lot, which was not at all plowed, and I had a... 2003 Honda Accord, so that wasn't really working out well. But I do recall settling in for that game, watching it. Illinois won. Gosh, was it 2013, 2012? I can't really remember. It might have been even earlier than that, actually. This apartment would have been 2009 or 2010. So all that is to say, there are only a few memories I have of Illinois basketball and bad weather. Um, I think another one might be the Illinois-Indiana game when Nick Anderson hit the buzzer beater. And pretty sure there was an ice storm or something like that going on because on our VHS copy of it, there would be the severe weather scroll at the bottom. So it was either an ice storm or a blizzard when Nick Anderson hit that big shot. And I think that was in early March of 1989. So here we are on January 31st as I record this and February is coming in like a lion. And uh, we will see just how much this impacts the game, though I think 
there will be a game. And I think that this is actually a very favorable matchup for Illinois. What's most awesome about all this, we're halfway through the Big Ten season. You're in first place despite the adversity you faced. And while the schedule is getting tougher, the team is getting healthier at the right time, just as it's getting tougher. So overall, I'm optimistic despite things will clearly tighten up a little bit. And if there is such a thing as a must-win game for winning the Big Ten, I would think this is it. Not just to keep pace with Wisconsin, but the fact that Wisconsin actually has a very favorable schedule going forward, much more favorable than you do. So you got to get that head-to-head and hope that Wisconsin, like we all think, isn't as good as their record would suggest. And they might lose a game or two that they shouldn't, right? And in the meantime, you got to hold serve at home, as Sean Harrington often talks about. And I think it's just the right matchup to do that. So we got a lot to talk about tonight on this podcast with Illinois sitting atop the Big Ten after the first half of the conference season. Before I get too far into it, got to remind you the 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe online at dpdoe.com. You can get custom zones with any topping you want or one of their favorites like the Maui Wowie or the Buffer Zone. Order online at dpdoe.com and they deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. So in the next few days, inclement weather. Now, hey, listen, if you order takeout from DP Doe or anyplace else, Make sure to tip the driver handsomely. They deserve it. Um, But what better thing to have on Wednesday night as you're watching Illinois and Wisconsin than a piping hot calzone as Illinois takes it to Brad Davison and Greg Gard. Ugh. That's dpdo.com. I don't know why I said Greg Gard's name like that. He's just uh, probably a nice enough guy, but... Uh, He just represents everything boring about Wisconsin basketball to me. Also, State Farm agent Brian Hanson online at brianismyguy.com for life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it. Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy as well. We got homeowners and auto from Brian about a year and a half, two years ago. Uh, So happy with it. I mean, the prices are great, as you would expect, but it's really the customer service that made it a seamless process. So that is brianismyguy.com for State Farm agent Brian Hansen. Also, 4th and Kirby, online at 4thandkirby.com for vintage-inspired Illini apparel, t-shirts, crewneck sweatshirts, a new hoodie with the 83-84 Illinois basketball logo, at least one that I think they took from a program back then. It's kind of like an off-white, very vintage look like most of 4th and Kirby's apparel. So go online to 4thandkirby.com to get your new lucky shirt hoodie, or crewneck sweatshirt in time for the rest of Illini basketball season, fourthandkirby.com. Finally, Rector Construction online at rectorconstruction.com for all your home exterior projects. Yes, um, this blizzard will be short-lived. Spring will be coming soon. It's already February. So why not reach out to rectorconstruction.com and get a free estimate on any home exterior project that is Rector Construction. Dot com. Illini Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network partners with the 200 level and appreciate you listeners and be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcast and Spotify. I don't think Neil Young and Joni Mitchell have left Spotify for anything controversial. We said um, it would be an honor if the 200 level ever said something so controversial that a famous musician would then decide to leave Spotify. I don't think we're going to make any waves like that. All right. Uh, before I get too far into this, we had some technical difficulties on the last podcast. And actually, I should have addressed this earlier with my equipment here. Basically, a faulty mic cable, that is fixed. So going forward with these live um, these live reaction pods that we do, I use a different microphone so I can basically sit right in front of that TV. And for those that see us on the Twitch stream, you guys see it. I mean, I'm, I'm basically plastered up against the screen. 
and that my cable is just kind of faulty. So I got a brand new one, and I don't think we'll be having any of those issues going forward. Thank goodness. And uh, apologies that about 15 minutes of that podcast, the Illinois Northwestern one, I had to go back to our Twitch stream, twitch.tv forward slash the 200 level, if you haven't joined us already. And I had to take audio for about 15 minutes from that. So apologies for that. It is not up to our usual audio standards, but um, passable for one time, and hopefully it will never happen again. Okay, Illinois Northwestern. I want to talk about that because we really didn't have a lot of time to process it. You know, I was reacting with Isaac and Trevor. I'd say it was fun, but it wasn't really fun until the very end. And it was actually quite excruciating for large parts of that game. You know, the first half, Illinois goes up 10, and I'm thinking, we can smoke these guys. And and Northwestern, despite the fact they're playing teams close, and I got to give them credit for that, at least, they just aren't very good. Eventually, you are what your record is, and that is to say, they are not good. You know, I mean, Chris Collins, not a good coach. Bill Carmody, probably better, despite the fact that he never made a tournament, and Chris Collins did make one. So, it was a game that you had to win, and you got the win, and that's all that counts. And overall, the way that things happened in those last four or five minutes and the speed with which it happened almost made for an exhilarating enough finish that it overcame what was an otherwise boring game, frustrating game. You know, I sat here and I had a little Basil Hayden bourbon because it was a Saturday afternoon and why not? And it was kind of calming my nerves. I noticed I wasn't getting angry despite some subpar play from Illinois. And I was talking to Trevor about this, and Isaac, of course, too, but I think Trevor and I were coming from the same place on that podcast. Neither of us were that angry, and I think the reason was Maryland was so fresh in our minds that it would have been foolish to have thought, well, we can just cruise at Northwestern. I said before, even when this team was hot in December, that they're going to lay some duds. The key is somehow timing those duds for a game like Northwestern when you can overcome it. And that's exactly what happened on Saturday. By all accounts, that was not a good performance from Illinois. Kofi was great, yes. But other than DeMonte at the end of the game and some good minutes from the freshman, you cannot point at anybody else and say, wow, they had a really good game. No, it, it wasn't across the board. And we can chalk that up to Kofi's back, so you're getting used to having him in the rotation again, even though I don't buy that so much. Or you can chalk it up to Northwestern just disrupting you as they've disrupted some other teams this year but you got the win. Good teams find a way to win even when they play poorly. And that is two wins in a row where you didn't even score 60 points for a team that had kind of built its identity in December and early January behind a really high-powered offense. That's encouraging. Though, let's address the yellow flag. You know, Winning two games in a row, scoring less than 60, that's good, but it's also bad because you aren't scoring. And I do think that that will change with Kofi getting back in the swing of things. And that will continue to open up opportunities for Plummer and Grandison, who I think, you know, we're worried about him. I certainly am. And I, I'm going to give him the rest of the season to figure this out because when he's on, he's on. And I got to think Kofi back will help him out too. But the shooting, I think, will progress to the mean, right? But right now we've regressed to the point of, man, we can't even score 60 points. I think that will return. And for the rest of Big Ten play, you can assume that you can be a 70 plus point per game team. But are you going to be at the 80 points you were earlier this year? Are you going to be at a Purdue level offensively? Probably not. Um, What you're going to have to do 
is mix it up a little bit. And I will give Illinois credit for that defensively against Northwestern. I thought you did pretty damn well. And this is a Northwestern team that is not without weapons. Nance went off, but you held Boo Booey, which, you know, almost the most ridiculous name since Dwayne Dwayne. Boo Booey in check. You held Ryan Young to zero points. And I know he's had some big games, including Michigan State. He was a big reason that Northwestern beat Michigan State in East Lansing. So you look at this game, a team that is capable of beating good teams in Northwestern, and despite you taking a decent enough shot from them, and despite you not playing all that well yourself offensively, it really comes back to the consistency that this defense has found. We can look at the Michigan State game for that as well, and actually we can say in the last month or so, the only real slip-up defensively was at Maryland, and that was late when the wheels kind of came off. So overall, that side of the ball seems to be tightening up. And you start to see Underwood making some rotational shifts here and saying, okay, well, Plummer, you aren't guarding? Fine. Pods, you get in there. Or uh, Grandison, you aren't guarding? Fine. Melendez, you get in there. Goody, in some cases. And I'm fine with that. So one positive to take away from the last two games, despite not scoring 60-plus points, the freshman. I do not expect any of these freshmen to be a star by year's end, but I do expect them to get more and more time based on the fact that Grandison is not going to probably do for the rest of Big Ten play what he was doing back in December. Not to say he can't be very valuable for this team, and I think he might have to be if you're going to reach your potential, but I do think that this just opens the door for seven or eight minutes a game from a Melendez or a Goody. Pods has looked good when he's out there. He just hasn't been out there much. So let's get him out there a little bit more. Again, not 20 minutes, but five or six a game. There's no reason he can't give you a little bit of tick. And you're seeing these guys the freshman, with length and the ability to shoot and athleticism. Now, I don't know if any of these three guys are going to be stars. If I were to point at one and say that he has a really good chance of being a starter next year, I'd probably look at Luke Goody. But you might also be in a position next year where all three of them are going to have to play a lot of minutes. Now, that doesn't mean that uh, (laughs) I'm excited to essentially go through a rebuild. I think you're kind of going to go through that next year, though. Hopefully the program's in good enough shape to you know not slip all the way down to a CBI sort of team. But I do think you will take a bit of a fall. But I do actually feel more encouraged through the little bit of time we've seen from these freshmen that actually maybe they will be able to step into significant roles next year and be halfway decent. I mean, if there's such a thing as looking the part, I think all three of them have looked the part at different times this year. And I can recall many freshmen from years past that have looked just completely lost. So there is reason to be heartened with what you've seen from these guys and what they did, specifically Melendez and Pajimski on Saturday, you should be really encouraged. You don't win the game without those two guys. They scored 11 points and there were five points from Pajimski late in the game that really keyed on that Illinois run. Pajimski, I mean, the layup was a nice move, but then the three from freaking you know, River North, I mean, that was impressive on its own. So we have a guy that has some offensive ability and is clearly busting his ass defensively. Got to like Podjimski and what you're seeing with him. And I, I remember thinking early this year, if there's not bust, but a guy that never quite finds his way here from this freshman class, it might have been him. I'm not so sure. I've, I've seen things from all three that I really like. And then you go from the young to the old. We're doing that podcast and said some fairly disparaging things about DeMonte. And I even had, I said one thing I regret. I said something along the lines of right now, they're just kind of worthless to you. DeMonte and Grandison is who I was talking about. 
And that is a very strong and unfair statement because clearly he is a worthwhile player. He's a very valuable player. But sometimes you need guys to do a little bit more than what you're accustomed to in order to sneak out a win. Through the first 35 minutes of game time, DeMonte was doing nothing for you offensively. And you needed someone to just hit a three, just do something. And you're looking around and thinking, well, DeMonte shot 50% from three last year. Could you, could you take one and, and stop these dribble drives? Well, listen, um, whether it's eating crow or just being shut up by a, a wily veteran, I'll take either one of those because what DeMonte did with that dunk and then ding up Nance late in that game, that is why you won the game. And of course, there's other factors. Kofi being Kofi is why you won the game. Here we are, 20 minutes in the podcast, finally addressed, or 17 minutes in the podcast, addressing Kofi's return. And the fact is, he was a superstar in his first game back from a concussion. So that's just what we expect from Kofi. It's almost unfair to the guy that he played that well coming back. And we're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 20 and 10, <laughs> whatever, you know. But DeMonte in that dunk, in a season where I'm trying to think of signature moments so far, I could look at the Michigan State game, and I don't know what the signature moment would be. Maybe be Luke Goody's move where he shook, was it Hauser, and he made that three. That is the single play that really sticks out in that game. Though it wasn't like a late-game situation that you know really turned the tide. It was in the middle of a really good half for Illinois. But I will remember that. I will certainly remember the DeMonte dunk. I mean, that was a spectacular play, and it was the unexpectedness of it. You know, Brightweiser tweeted out, he retweeted the pod on Sunday and said, you know, listening to the guys react, they might as well have just seen paranormal activity in their room, you know, not the movie, but actual paranormal activity. And that was sort of the reaction we had. I said verbatim, what in the hell? Because I could not believe what I just saw. And I think most of Illini fans felt that way. For DeMonte to do that when the game was on the line, it was a tie game. And I never have felt better with a two-point lead than after that dunk. I just thought, well, they're going to win. Easy enough. you know. I mean, that right there was the game, and there were still 90 seconds to go. That's how impactful that was. So in a, a season where we have been looking for those signature moments, I mean, go to the Michigan game at home. What was the signature moment? I don't know. Um, there was a dunk from Kofi that kind of got things going with five or six minutes to go, but not any of those. I mean, going through it, there's been a lot of highlight reel stuff, but in terms of an impactful late-game situation, that might be the one, right? Um, and I'm, I may very well be forgetting one. You guys might be screaming at your car radio or, you know, in your office at the speakers right now saying, Carp, oh my God, how do you forget that thing? But right now, that's, that's the big one. And I know it's Northwestern. I know you're going to have bigger wins as the season goes on. I mean, your track record in the Big Ten suggests that despite the schedule getting tougher, you're going to win some of these big games. So there will be bigger wins, but in terms of chasing a Big Ten title, you needed that. I mean, I was preparing for the worst, right? And I think we all were. 15 minutes in that second half, where the hell is this going? We're down five or six points, and Nance is going off. We can't stop him. And who's going to score? Because it wasn't going to be Trent. Plummer was really nullified in that game, almost worryingly so. And it was DeMonte and Brandon Podjimski. Go figure, right? But you need wins like that. I go back to the, oh God, was this 04-05? I want to say in 04-05, there was a game at Purdue, maybe in early January, because I remember I worked at Clark Lindsay, and our shift would be from four to seven. And 
I would get off, and then if there was a game that Illinois had played, I'd either go catch the second half of it, or in this case, it was an afternoon game, I think, against Purdue, and I met my parents and, and some neighborhood friends at Village Inn Pizza. And I want to make sure I get this right here, so let me go to that, that season. It would have been Purdue at Purdue on Saturday, January 8th. Yes. Yeah, I worked at Clark Lindsay that day. It was an afternoon game. Illinois ended up winning 68-59. to And one of our neighborhood friends, his name's Bob, and he was talking about... You know, it wasn't the prettiest game, but he's like, you know, we got a tough team. You know, they they just find ways to win, so I'm not worried about them at all. And at that point, they were 16 and 0. Um, you know, that's not a game that we remember from the 0405 season. But in the course of that season, when not every night did you have your A game, you needed that. I mean, later that season, they played at a bad Michigan team, and they won 57 to 51, and it took two breakaway layups from D Brown to really put that game away. This is not at all to compare the two teams. This is to say that even for very good teams that have conference title aspirations, there are close calls. And the key is, can you find a way to win those games? And this team, for the most part, is. I was listening to Jeremy and Derek's podcast uh, after the game on Saturday. And Jeremy made a comment about afterwards, there was uh, someone around the locker room that had said, Man, if only we could have that Maryland game back. And I'm thinking, well, guys, <laughs> you lost by 16. Though I don't mind the fact that there is some recognition, and I'm, I'm assuming a player said this, that there's some recognition amongst that team that, boy, we, we can't afford losses like that. And the way that they closed in the Northwestern game, specifically on the defensive end, when they had to tighten up and get stops, they got stops. That tells me this team does have the urgency, right? Um, So for that, I'm a little bit more heartened going into this meat of the schedule when things are going to get really tough and thinking, okay, they recognize what's in front of them and that another slip-up like Maryland, that could be it for the Big Ten title. Now, what about these 10 games here? Let's look at them. We're going to end this podcast talking specifically about Wisconsin. Okay, we'll end with that. On what should be a snowy night and maybe five, six, seven thousand people in the State Farm Center. I doubt any Chicago fans or people, people not in Champaign-Urbana. I don't know if the interstates are going to be passable. So I, it might just be locals and students, and that'll be a weird but maybe cool atmosphere. So I'm just hoping that my streak gets plowed and I can make it over there. Fingers crossed. But here's the ten game stretch to end this Big Ten season. Wisconsin, of course, on Wednesday night. Now, I'm going to give you Ken Palm rankings as well. Just to let you know, Illinois is 16th in Ken Palm. And Ken Palm currently has them 22nd in offensive efficiency and 27th defensive efficiency. That's a pretty balanced team. So you feel good about both of those things. Okay, Wisconsin on Wednesday night projected to be a six-point win. And I think something like that sounds about right. Indiana on Saturday. 11 a.m. tip on Saturday. That is projected to be a one-point loss. That is going to be a very tough game. In fact, Ken Palm has Wisconsin as the 26th best team in the country and Indiana at 25. And I would say that Indiana as a matchup concerns me a heck of a lot more than Wisconsin and add to the fact that you have to go to Bloomington for that and you don't get them here instead. So not a scheduling break. That's not an easy place to play. And I think getting a win there on Saturday would be massive. You know, this is a pretty good Indiana team. I know they've had some stinkers this year, but I think that that's a team trying to learn how to win, and I think they're learning fairly quickly how to do so. Purdue, and that's now Tuesday night. Is that right? Tuesday, February 8th? Yeah. 
Tuesday night, uh, February 8th at 8 o'clock, and of course, that is projected to be a loss. Now, by the way, Indiana's projected to be a one-point loss as well. So as it stands, the next three-game stretch, Ken Palm has you at one and two. I think you can afford a loss. And it might even be where you can afford two losses and hope that teams like Wisconsin find their way to you know six conference losses themselves. But I really think going two and one in this next three-game stretch will put you in the driver's seat. Easier said than done. And those are three monster games. Now, the reason I'm somewhat encouraged is if I go back to last year, the last three games of the conference season, we all thought, man, I mean, we'll see what happens. And you won all three of those games, and only one of them had Io DeSunmu. That would have been at Wisconsin, at Michigan, and then at Ohio State. You won all three. So while it is a different season and a different team, this is just a program right now that wins Big Ten road games. So I think they will go 2-1. and one. I, I got to give them the benefit of the doubt because for the most part, when it comes to better competition, this team plays up to it. I, I, I think that will bode well these next three games. You get a bit of a breather on Sunday, February 13th. Is that Super Bowl Sunday? I think it is, right? Against Northwestern, and that would be a, that's projected as a nine-point win. I, I see something like that happening. And then on the road against Rutgers, and while that is a tough place to play, on Wednesday, February 16th, Rutgers right now is 102nd on Ken Palm. They suck on the road. They're pretty good at home, but you've got to get that win. I view that very much like the Maryland game. It scares me, but you got to get it done. Saturday, February 19th at Michigan State. Projected right now as a two-point loss. think it's going to be a hell of a game. Um, I don't know how much I like my chances there. So Northwestern, Rutgers, and Michigan State, you got to go two and one there as well, right? So I'm, I'm doing three-game chunks. Two and one against Wisconsin, Indiana, and Purdue. Gets you to ten and three. Two and one against Northwestern Rutgers and Michigan State gets you to twelve and four. And then here's your final schedule. Ohio State at home, Michigan on the road, Penn State at home, Iowa at home. If you can go two and one against Wisconsin, Indiana, and Purdue, and two and one against Northwestern Rutgers and Michigan State, I think you can afford one loss in the last four games. Ohio State at home, Michigan on the road, Penn State at home, Iowa at home. I think you can afford a loss there. I think 15-5 and five does it. Now, right now, Ken Palm has Illinois projected at 14-6. and six. They think in some of these toss-up games, they will drop one more of those. And I could see that. The only other team in conference, well, let me make sure I get this right here. They project Purdue to finish 15-5, and five, basically winning out. Um, with a couple of close... Okay, they have each game as a win for Purdue, but they say that you know, margin of error, they're going to lose a couple of those. I don't know what those those would be, though. I think, uh, gosh, what is this? At Minnesota? No, that won't be a loss. At Michigan, at Northwestern, at Michigan State, at Wisconsin. We'll see with Purdue. I mean, they could run out, they could win out, and then all of a sudden we aren't even having this conversation. Though I do think there's still a team that is oddly vulnerable. I mean, we saw late in that Ohio State game yesterday that they, they had that game well under control, and then Ohio State just came exploding back into it. So I don't a hundred percent buy Purdue not having a couple more stinkers. So can you get to 15 and five? Ken Palm says you're going to be 14 and six, and that'd be good for second place tied with Wisconsin. If you can get to 15 and five, that means you can afford three more losses. And if I'm being realistic about it, those three losses would be at Purdue at Michigan state, and then maybe at Michigan towards the end of the year. If that team ever gets something figured out though, they are still kind of a mess. 
15 and 5, I think gets you a share. Now, you can negate all this, and you can just go on a tear. And maybe you get Curbelo back Wednesday night, and he's feeling good in time for when you go to Indiana and go to Purdue. And, and things start clicking, and this team just goes on a run. That's possible, too, and you get the three-point shooting back. I feel like the defense is what it is at this point, which is to say pretty darn good, right? Not great, maybe like last year's team, but a pretty darn good defense. And all those factors together make you think, okay, well, let's make a run. You at least have put yourself in position to do that. And at 8-2, and two, you're in a heck of a lot better position than 7-3 and three with loss to Northwestern. That's why, while that is not a game that we'll look back on as the key to the season— it's one of those that you had to have, and you got it done. Now, first things first. I went macro before I get a little bit micro. Wisconsin in town Wednesday night. Going to be weird, but it's going to be fun. And I, I assume that come hell or high water, they're going to get this game in, right? So I, I really don't think that if Wisconsin gets in tomorrow, and I don't think the bad stuff is really supposed to be until late tomorrow night, then they'll be at the I Hotel, I would assume, and then they just take a bus across the street. If that means that there's a snowplow driving for them, I, you know, they'll be there. And, and there will be a game on Wednesday night, and I think it's actually a really good matchup for Illinois. Talked about this Saturday on the podcast. When you look at Wisconsin's strengths, that would be Brad Davison, who's having a really good super senior year, much to my chagrin, and Johnny Davis, who's having a Big Ten Player of the Year caliber kind of season. Don't think he'll ultimately win the award. His efficiency has gone down a little bit in the last three weeks or so, but he's still really damn good. But here's the thing. Trent Frazier on Brad Davison, DeMonte Williams on Johnny Davis. And that might sound like I'm oversimplifying it. And I don't think that those two guys can key on those guys for the entirety of the game because you also want Trent to be effective offensively. But this might be a game where you say, DeMonte, don't give a damn what you do offensively. And I understand that's a lot of games. But just key in on Johnny Davis. Shut him down. Or just keep him to, you know, 15 points. And you can live with that. I mean, if Johnny Davis isn't scoring 25 points on Wednesday night, I really like your chances. Of course he can. He could go off. He's done that before. Maybe he's due for a return to form like he was playing in December and early January. But overall, that alone gives me a lot of hope for that matchup, including the fact that you have Kofi. And as we saw last year, Wisconsin stunk on the interior. And they had some older guys in the interior last year. But if I look at Wisconsin and, and size, it is a problem for them. Tyler Wall against Kofi? No. Steven Crowell against Kofi? No. I'm sorry. That, that's just not enough. Chucky Hepburn is another guard. I, I would assume you just put Plummer on him. Not too much of an offensive threat. I just don't see the guys on Wisconsin on the interior that are going to be able to do much against Kofi. Chris Vogt? Vogt? V-O-G-T, too many consonants in that name, as many Wisconsin guys have. Again, come on, Kofi should feast. And when you mix that and maybe opening things up for a guy like Plummer and get him off the schneid, then I think you're feeling really good about this matchup. It's really weird how going into an Illinois-Wisconsin game, the span of two seasons have all of a sudden completely shifted the narrative for me, where the previous decade, we never beat Wisconsin. I mean, and I say never, I know there might have been a game or two, but didn't they have like an 11 game win streak, maybe even more against Illinois. So when they won two years ago, when Co uh, when Iowa hit that late three to go up four, I think uh, that was shocking. It was absolutely shocking. So now that you've won three in a row against them, it's, it's sort of like, you know, the, the curse has been lifted. There's not a hex on this matchup anymore. And then if you just look at the matchup for what it is, 
Six foot five, Johnny Davis. Okay, well, go ahead and get him. Six foot four, Demonte. Six foot four, Brad Davison. He's a little bit bigger than Trent, but Trent has done a fantastic job all year in these guys. That's a veteran against a veteran, and uh, I would expect that Trent will get the job done when all comes down to it. And Tyler Wall at six foot nine, and Stephen Crowell. I mean, I'm, I again, I don't see it. It would be a disappointing loss because, in terms of the matchup, you're better, and I think your your strength just outmatches their strength. I mean, this is not exactly uh, super analytical on my part, but we can really actually go back to last season's matchups, including the game at Wisconsin when Io didn't play. And you just ran them out of the gym until Trice scored 15 points in the last three minutes or whatever ridiculous thing he did. So I don't expect a blowout. Um, but I would actually kind of expect an effective and efficient performance from Illinois. I I think that this is a game that you should kind of control throughout and feel pretty comfortable as the game goes along. And um, that might be silly to say in the Big Ten. The Big Ten is extremely tough, but we also know life on the road in the Big Ten is extremely tough. If you look at Wisconsin on the road, they didn't have too many problems at Nebraska. They won by eight. They had a close game against Northwestern before pulling away late. They won by six up there. They won at Maryland by one, more than Illinois can say. And they won at Purdue. But they did lose earlier this year at Ohio State by 18. My point is, I do think this is a Wisconsin team that if you can get them down enough, they don't have the firepower to make a big comeback. And I hope I don't eat my words because I know at Purdue, I think they were down by as much as seven or eight. But we've seen Purdue just kind of have these weird second-half lulls, uncharacteristic for a team that, that is that good. Um, but overall, I like the matchup. I, I hate the fact that there's probably going to be a lot of people that got to eat their tickets. You know, On one hand, I'm saying, oh, the novelty of going to a snow game when a lot of people won't be there. Well, unfortunately, that means that a lot of people are going to have tickets unused, and it's not going to be the crazy rocking atmosphere it would have been if we had a nice unseasonably warm February 2nd. going to be quite the Groundhog's Day. But yes, that should be a win. It should be one where you're not sweating it too much. And then you should be 9-2 and two in conference and alone in first place. And at that point, it's really just a game at a time. Sounds cliche, but ultimately, I do think this team and the age of this team could be a benefit going into the stretch run. I can look at the Maryland game and be frustrated because I don't think Kofi alone would have changed the fortunes of that game. But I hope that they would have learned something from that, that there are no such thing as nights off for a Big Ten title contender. And that to squeak this out, they are really going to have to play their best ball. I'm oddly encouraged at the fact that they haven't played their best ball for about three weeks now. That you would have to go back for a while to find a really awesome performance from this Illinois team. And I know Harry Black would always hate it when we'd say, well, they're due. There's nothing to suggest that Illinois is due, but I do think that they are somewhere between the team that was scoring 90 points a game for the better part of a month and what we've seen the last few games. I think there's something between that, and that is a pretty good team, and when with a full complement of players, I think has the ability to win this Big Ten title. Will they? I don't know. Uh, I think Vegas still likes Illinois. I think they do. They might even be the favorite in Vegas right now at like plus 250 or something like that. But beat Wisconsin first. And then we can look at an Indiana game, which you can't even call that trap game. Indiana's good. You know, I, I hate to say it. I don't know if Mike Woodson's going to work overall, but he is clearly an improvement over Archie Miller. 
and right now they got something going. I mean, defensively, that's where they're really good. Um, offensively, they still leave something to be desired, but they're starting to play pretty good ball right now, and they have a week off before you play them. Um, that could be a good or bad thing. I- I'm hoping for a rust factor or something and that the Wisconsin game on Wednesday, Illinois should still be relatively rested in time for that game Saturday in Indiana. But it's a big week, and if you go 2-0, and oh my God, you're in fantastic shape at 10-2, and and then that sets up the marquee matchup part two against Purdue, and what the hell? You know, we tune into that game, and would I expect to win at Purdue? Absolutely not. Could it happen? And if it did, would I be overly ecstatic and probably not sleep that night? Yeah, probably so. And uh, that's what it's all about. Here we are, entering February with meaningful basketball and a chance to win the Big Ten title. And for where this program has been at, that's a pretty remarkable feat. I wish I had the numbers in front of me of how many of the last 50 games Illinois has won in the Big Ten, but they are the winningest Big Ten team in the last three seasons. I want this program to have something really meaningful to show for that, and that is a Big Ten title banner. Not a Big Ten tournament title banner, as great as that is. And we all know that they should have had a banner for the Big Ten regular season championship last year. But I still want that up there. I want that banner, and they can do it, but it starts now. You pass the first test, 8-2 and two in the first 10 games. If you match that in the second 10 games, you're winning the Big Ten title. I mean, that's, that's all there is to it. And I think even 7-3, and three, you're feeling pretty good. Less than that, you'll need some help. But here we go. Wisconsin, Illinois, let's kick some ass, if at all possible, and, and not sweat that one out too much. And let's just remind Brad Davison that last year, I think he had the worst two-point shooting percentage in the nation. He had a really bad season last year. He's lighting it up right now. Bring him back down to earth and, and just guard your nuts because he'll probably be uh, searching for someone's balls to hit. And I, I know that sounds very sophomoric, but that's kind of his MO. So I'm just saying that's what he does. Careful out there. Alfonso and Andre and Trent. Maybe Andre will be back. Got to hope he's out of COVID protocols by Wednesday night. All right. It is time to get ready for Snowmageddon 2022. I don't know if there's going to be school on Wednesday or Thursday or, for that matter, Friday. I hope my CRV could somehow make it the few miles to State Farm Center and uh, be nice and toasty inside as the second round of really crappy weather hits on Wednesday night. But It'll be fun, and let's keep rolling, right? I, I, I do feel that this team is due for a really good performance, and I see no reason to think that Wisconsin, given that matchup, that can't be the night where we score 80 points again, and Kofi goes off, and Plummer hits four or five threes, and, and things just look really, really smooth. Um, doesn't have to. All that matters is you win. That's all that matters, but why not some style points to go with it? Let's get greedy a little bit. All right. Before we get out of here, i got to remind you, DPDO, online at dpdo.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. And if you uh, get this stuff delivered during a snowstorm, please, for the love of God, tip these guys handsomely. They deserve it. That's dpdo.com. Fourth and Kirby online at fourthandkirby.com for all your vintage-inspired Illini apparel. That's fourthandkirby.com. State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com for life, auto, home, business, renters. You name it, Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy at brianismyguy.com. And finally, Rector Construction online at rectorconstruction.com for all your home exterior projects. Get a free estimate today at rectorconstruction.com. For Alana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network, we will be back probably not Wednesday night because that's a late game. If the weather is super bad and if it's impassable and our street hasn't been plowed and I'm worried about my CRV getting caught in the snow, 
I may just do a live podcast here. I, you know, it's tough to know until you see it just how much seven or eight inches of snow looks like, right? So we'll make a game time decision on that and keep you posted. You can follow me on Twitter at Fanboy Carp, and I'll, I'll keep that information getting out there to you guys. But I plan on going the game, and then that would mean a Thursday podcast uh, in reaction to it. Because even if there is a snow day, I'd still be getting up pretty early the next day to teach on Zoom. How fun. But hey, anyways, uh, stay safe, stay healthy, stay warm. Hope you're well prepared and stocked up and got all the food, drinks, and, and booze that you need for a snowstorm because that's what it's all about staying cozy watching sports and having some good food and drink we'll see you soon everybody it is the 200 level